KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Even if somebody else didn't believe in me, I always believed in what it was we were doing. And again, top to bottom, it starts with developing character and developing student-athletes and developing success. And then, you know, and if you do all of these things right, that's going to translate into success on the court as well. And our guest this week, Gabby Lasella, who earlier this month, as we're talking in September, stepped down as women's basketball coach at Division Three Rowan University, now serves as an associate AD at the school. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. So I guess the first question, you had a ton of success after 19 years. Why was this the right time to, to focus on the, the, the other portion of your job and step away from coaching? Um, I, I think it's a multitude of factors. Number one, uh, the restructuring that we've done within our department just made it a natural time to go. And and the flip side is, is I feel our basketball program is really strong. So, uh, you know, I think it's in a good place for someone to come in and just continue what we've been doing for the past couple decades. And, and so I was comfortable with that as well. And you say a couple decades, 19 years. Does yeah. that seem possible? Well, there were 10 more beyond that too um, at the, at the college level. Um, you know, some days, like anything else, some days it felt like 50, some days it feels like three. One of the things that coaching always does is I think it keeps you young because you're just always involved with these kids um, at such a transformative time in their lives. That's what always made it fun for me, that it just kind of kept you in that same loop. And I mean, if it's everything from music to whatever the latest fads are, if I were out in a regular working world, I wouldn't have been ever been exposed to those kinds of things. So there's the the ups and downs for all of it, but a lot more ups, I think. So when were athletics always a part of your life growing up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad was a coach uh, when I was very young. And then as I started in school, he stepped away from coaching so he could follow all, all the things that his kids did. So, uh, you know, the joke was he put a football in my crib when I was a baby and I just kind of took off from there. Was basketball at the front of the the list for you growing up, or did you really play um, everything? I did play everything. I mean, obviously, if I was a boy, football was was it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. But uh, you know, as you got up and you and you figured out, well, no, they're not going to let me play that. Basketball was the next kind of progression there. Um, I played with a lot of guys when I was growing up. Um, I was fortunate that they accepted me, and and we did a lot of things together. So it went from football to basketball to baseball. You know, until you got into the organized sports, and then it just took off from there as well. Where did you grow up? I grew up up in northeastern Pennsylvania, okay. a place called Tawanda. I was born actually in Bucks County, but as I started first grade, we we headed up there. My dad got a teaching job up there, and and that's where I grew up. As you're growing up, and you said dad's a coach, did you always kind of have in the back of your mind, even going through high school, college, and all that coaching would be? somewhere maybe a a ramp that you would take or was it a situation where your playing days are done and boy I need to stay close to athletics well I I mean it was always a part of my life it it was always um, a love I had and I was fortunate that I had very strong women um, in in PE situations and coaching situations that were really fantastic role models for me so you know by the time I was I was fifth sixth grade and I was kind of thinking, you know, the teaching and the and the PE teacher kind of thing. And then um, 
you know, when I got out of when I got out of college and I started teaching PE, the best part of my day was coaching. So it, it just kind of evolved to that. When did you start to realize? I mean, you say the best part of your day, so you obviously enjoyed it. When do you start to realize I'm pretty good at it? Like it, I don't know if coaching necessarily comes naturally from an X and O standpoint, mm-hmm. but when did it just start to make sense that, you know what, this is really something I should just kind of see how far I can go with it? I don't know if I ever thought that. You really are teaching. And so t- at, the, at the level that I was at, I really took it to heart that we were preparing these people to be successful when when they left. So I think that that just being able to come in and, and look at where we could help kids to improve, um, build on their strengths, really shore up those weaknesses from a whole person kind of picture. I mean, that that started probably when I was in school, just working with young kids and those little offshoot kind of programs that you have. It just was an easy fit for me. And then when you tie in the love of a game to it, uh, what I said all through the whole recruiting process to people all the time was the basketball court is my classroom to prepare you to succeed. And that's really, I think, where we were really, really good um, all the way through um, my career. So your first head coaching job, I think you had an interim gig mm-hmm. somewhere. Your first time you had a program, University of the South, correct? That was, Yeah, the first full time. Mm-hmm. So what's that like when you step in to a program for the first time and you're the person, it's your program? Well, you know, every assistant coach wants to be a head coach. And and so just to take the opportunities that presented themselves to take everything that's come before and put it together and, and make it work for you. I was fortunate that the head coaches I worked under were very receptive to things I said and did. At that point, I still had fairly good athletic ability. So, uh, you know, the, the modeling and showing kids and all that, um, gaining respect through what I could still do really kind of set the tone, you know, but having it all in yourself, like the, the university of the South was one of those places where you're young and dumb and you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's one of those where there wasn't a ton of pressure as long as you did the right things from a character standpoint made sure that the kids succeeded academically. There wasn't a ton of pressure to to have to know everything. So it was a good place for me to, yeah, you're in charge of things, and now you really know you have a lot to learn. And um, being in Tennessee, it's such a rich basketball state for women's basketball. I had opportunities to really get around some of the just icons of the game. Um, and and I, I, I did take advantage of that kind of forcing people to be my mentors, um, just putting myself in positions where I could learn and grow. So that was a good spot for me to really begin the journey. What was then? You, I know exactly what you mean from a radio standpoint. My first job was in Hanover, Pennsylvania. It's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do the right thing, but a, a screw-up's not the end of the world. A mistake's not the end of the world. What was the biggest challenge for you? Was it X and O, recruiting? What Was it the dealing with the kids off the, the court, what was the, the biggest hurdle to, to get used to as a head coach? I think just putting all of it together. Okay. Uh, you know, when, when you've just got to oversee and manage all of it, and you have to – I'm, I'm one of those people I like to think I'm pretty organized, and I don't like things left to chance. So just staying on top of everything, making sure that you're addressing everything, um, you know, figuring out 
how you're going to get the kids to get their classes scheduled and their study time and get your practices planned and get your recruiting calls in. And so all of those things. And then, you know, my assistant was the head coach for another sport. So it wasn't at the time like you were delegating a ton of stuff. You you needed to make sure you take care of it all. So I think just making sure that you did a good job at everything um, was probably at that point, like the X's and O's, X's and O's. I, I've always said anything works. Anything works. Pick what you want to do, but you get everybody on the same page and that's going to work. So I guess maybe being that young, getting the buy-in from the kids was part of it too. Um, How old are you here? Oh, gosh. 90, so I was probably like 25, 26, okay. 27, somewhere around there. Yeah. Did that – I mean, I'm sure that there are challenges to being that young and being a head coach – Advantage, disadvantage, or neutral being that close in age to the kids and having to be an authority? Because I would imagine there's probably a couple kids on the roster that are 22, 23. So was it tough or was it a non-issue? No, not not really. I think it was one of those things that I just kind of came in and they maybe didn't realize I was was that young. Um, I I never really had a problem with that. I'm a little scary, I'm told, a little intimidating until they figure me out. And then they realize I really am not. So I guess just the demeanor I had kind of set that tone. Right, for, I, I I never really struggled with that. So you're in Tennessee and talk about the rich basketball history. Did you have any cross paths with Pat Summit at all? One hundred percent. What was yeah. that like? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pat Pat was a very giving person. Um, I started out working her camps and was not shy about just trying to pick her brain on any opportunity. And she was very open to that mentorship. Um, very receptive to me showing up, watching them practice, seeing what they would do in the off season, gave me anything and everything I asked for, like everything from conditioning programs to drills. I would watch them practice. There was a, there was a time even after I left Tennessee that, um, Division one's division one and two would start practice before division three. So I would take off and go watch somebody practice. And I went and spent three days down watching every practice that they had. And then before and after practice, I'd be in her office, had her cell phone number. Uh, she was a reference for me at Rowan. And what was most mind boggling to people is they said she actually called me back, you know, so she was one of the sharpest minds in any context you could mention that I've ever been around, her passion was basketball. And um, to see her fail like she did in the end was just really heartbreaking because she was brilliant, brilliant. Did you, and, you know, you were younger, but you were old enough to, did you appreciate what you were getting to see in the moment? Like, oh my God, this is incredible. Well, how could you not? Yeah. Um, The things that, that she accomplished as a player, and then as a young coach, you know, thrown in as a GA and and not knowing a thing and figuring it out and putting the work in. And, you know, what what she was very open about was teaching people the right things and the character, which is, is also important to me. But things that, you know, I heard elsewhere, but taking care of the people that take care of you and being willing to be open and share to grow our game and to make everybody around you better. Um, there's a were a lot of instances, and I think it happens for whatever reason more with women than men, that everybody wants to keep everything secret and not give away the secrets. And and she was one of those people that never understood that. 
and was always very well. She would do, again, working summer camps, she would do little clinics for the coaches that were working her camps. Like, you want to learn the triangle offense? All right, for half an hour we'll do this, and I'll walk you through everything that we do and, and, and all of that stuff. So she was an amazing mentor, very willing, and, and yeah, 100% I latched onto that as quick as I could. So you're at University of the South. I think it was five years, five seasons were you there? Four. Four? four? Mm-hmm. Were you ready for the next step, or does the Oswego State job open and somebody tells you, how does how do you take the <laughs> next step? Um, well, I'm not sure at the time that I went that Oswego was a step up. They were a program that hadn't had a winning season in something like 16, 17 years. Um, variety of reasons why, why I, I just uh, – Felt I had a, I had a friend pass away from cancer and just felt the need to get closer to home, and SUNY was a good conference. Um, you know, I did my master's at Cortland, so I was very familiar with it. Had coached a little bit at Cortland, so I was very familiar with the conference. So, you know, y- yeah, it was a, it was a move up, but in certain ways, it, it eventually became a, a a move up. But you know, at the time I took it, it certainly wasn't. So it's a program. That has its issues when you get there. Mm-hmm. Are you fully aware when you walk in the door, or is it one of those you kind of get way steep and you're like, "All right, uh, <laughs> we'll figure it a, out." A little, well, a little bit. What I, what I knew was is there had been really no attention paid to the program. Um, I'm not sure even that the prior coach was full time; might have been part time. And when I came in, it became full time, along with administrative responsibilities. So it was. Uh, Oswego on a whole was a was a hockey school. Ice hockey, right. ice hockey's the thing, and and that's what that community rallied around. Um, at the time I was there, men's basketball was still a part time position, so it was really an athletic director that was really trying to build a proper athletic program uh, there. So, you know, I came in, and and there were times I said, "What have I done?" Uh, certainly, but the kids that were there, I was hired late, didn't really get an opportunity to recruit that year, but. They were good kids and willing to work hard, and we did things like and and and, it, and again, it helped me down the road for what ended up being kind of what I wanted to do down the end. We pressed, we pressed because that was the only way we could kind of disrupt everybody and mess everybody up. So we just pressed, and you know the kids worked their their butts off, and we were able to hang in and get some wins maybe that we shouldn't early, just because they would work, and that kind of set the tone for something down the road. And then, uh, you know, within four years, we uh, made the conference tournament for the first time ever, had a winning season for the first time ever. Um, when we left, one of our recruits was the scoring leader for the program. Um, so, you know, in the time that we were there, I thought that, you know, we made an impact that, that made a difference in the program overall. Does stepping into a situation like that, though, is it still relatively early in your career, you've, you've basically got the canvas because mm-hmm. there's no success to build off of. Does it allow you to do to have for freedom that, you know, well, we can do whatever we want to do here and we can build it our way? Is, it, is that a – I don't think you, – you obviously didn't take the job with this in mind, but when you right. get waist deep into your – does it really kind of help you become a better coach because you can kind of put your thumbprint on everything? Well – Anything you do is viewed as an improvement. Right. Uh, there isn't, there isn't, you know, a resistance to what you're 
doing because, well, we never did that before. Well, yeah, and that, whatever you did before didn't work anyway. So there was, I think, a sense of um, excitement that something could change, that something could happen. And, and then you bring kids in that kind of believe that they can be difference makers. And that's way easier in a lot of ways. But there are difficulties too. You, get, you have to get people who are going to buy into, yes, I can make a difference and, and I want to and I want to take this risk and be something that's, that's going to have that kind of impact. And, and so you have to find the right kids to do that as well. Time to take a break here on One on One More with Gabby Lasella right after this. The podcast that's all soccer all the time. It's what's new on the soccer scene. Every week on the Philly Soccer Show, hosted by KYW's Greg Orlandini. What was the experience like for your first home game? It's always interesting to hear from players that come over from Europe. They, they don't have it like here in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things will get a little more real for us tomorrow as well. Was that the coldest soccer game you've ever played in? Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> Join the thousands who hear the Philly Soccer Show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back here on One on One with former Rowan University women's basketball coach Gabby Lasella. How do you end up at Rowan? How do you take the next step to to come to Glassboro, New Jersey? Well, fortunately, every year that we were at Oswego, we got better. <laughs> so, you know, if if there were no improvement, you know, nobody's even looking at you. At the time that I left Oswego, again, we'd made we were probably about four four, and that that. This bared out as well. We were about four to five years to be able to make the leap to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, and at that time, I was actually looking at some Division One assistant positions and um, wasn't really looking at Division Three. And like in my head, well, okay, let's take that next big step to do what you're going to do. And when the Rowan job came open, I had, through the administrative side of my job, I had met the, the athletic director at Rowan at the time, Joy Solomon. And she just called me up, said, hey, I, I've got an opening. And I'm like, ah, Joy, I don't know. And so I had to be in Philly for a recruiting event. So I drove over the bridge, dropped my resume off to her, and I kind of looked around the campus. And it just felt right. I, I couldn't explain it. Um, it just felt right. And so was fortunate enough to get the interview, fortunate enough to do well enough in the interview that I was offered the position. And uh Never sent my resume out again. That was kind of my next question. When you take the job, do you take it under the auspices? I don't know that anyone, I'm going to retire here, but that this is going to be the place I'm going to be for a good chunk here. Yeah, well, again, it was, um, you know, if you look at where I was before, I was four years somewhere, five years somewhere, bought my first house here. You know, so it, again, it, it just felt right. And it felt like this is where I wanted to have roots and... uh you know, that the atmosphere at Rowan is something that you just either get it or you don't. And, and you know, people talk about bleeding brown and gold. Well, nobody wants to breed, bleed brown and gold. I mean, but once you're there and you get it, you just do. And just the family feeling that exists with the staff, um, with the university, with the athletes is just something that I've always loved since I've been there. And you walked in... They had gone to the NCAA tournament the year before? Oh, a few years before. So it's the complete 180 from your last job when you took over. Was that intimidating or are you in a place where you're like, you know, we'll just keep this going? Well, that was my feeling. But I, I, again, I think that that's a harder sell Mm -hmm. 
you know, well, you're doing something different. And this is not what we do. And it, 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 so there was a there was some resistance there that uh, you know, we had to work through. And, um, you know, part of that was just working through the process. Part of it was bringing some kids in, you know, you might say your own kids, but, you know, once you get that group there and, and you then you get some of the kids that are up ahead that, oh, okay, I get it now. And just that buy-in. It's, again, it comes back to anything works as long as you're all on the same page. But getting them all on the same page was absolutely a tougher task in this situation than, than my prior positions. How much do your, I mean, every prior position helps, but having been at two different programs at two different terms of their development and all that and, and learning lessons, how much does that help you hit the ground running at Rowan? Well, I think coming into a place like Rowan at, in the year 2000 with everybody was great at everything, um, you, you have to have some confidence and you have to have some belief in yourself. And the only way that happens is if you've done proper preparation. And so even if somebody else didn't believe in me, I always believed in what it was we were doing. And, and again, top to bottom, it starts with developing character and developing student athletes and developing success. And then, you know, and if you do all of these things right, you're, that's going to translate into success on the court as well. What is your favorite part of coaching? What did you like the most? Was it practice, watching kids get better? Was it game day? Was it recruiting, relationships? What What was at the top? It's, it's, it's for sure relationships. And what I – so I, I made the right choice staying in Division Three because it's about developing – you get a kid who turns into an adult. And so that, that transformation where they come in and, and it happens somewhere between their sophomore and junior year. And I love it. I love it. Um, where you get this kid who comes in goofy. They've never really, the, the first decision they've ever made in their life is where am I going to college? And it's like this big, massive thing, but you know, you're going to college somewhere, but then, you know, right around the sophomore, junior year, when they're like, I got to get ready for the rest of my life. And to see that transformation, I've always loved. So to, to see the goofy kid, mature into the adult who's going to be responsible and go out and be great at their job and be great as a parent. And, and, and those things has always been my favorite. Like we, we get about 40 alumni come back every year for our alumni game and they bring their families back. And that's, I love, I love it. I love that the kids, um, you know, and I've got 40, 40 something year old kids now understand that, but for them to come in and be so – like they hate the head coach always, n- nature of the beast. And I tell them, like, you're going to get this five years after you get out of here. And it's those most hard-headed kids who are now the closest to you because now they get it. And and to get the email or the phone call or the text where they say, I'm so sorry for being such an idiot. And, and it's great. Like, like oh, as long as you have it now, I'm good. So that that's always been my favorite part. Talk to me a little bit about how – did you change as a coach, if really at all, from University of South till today? Did you were you harder coach on the kids earlier, harder at the end, 100%. about the same? Did you? Oh, no. How did you change? Um, well, we all start out coaching how we've been coached. You know, in the seventies, eighties, whatever you want to talk about it, it was my way or the highway. You do what the coach says because the coach says, and the coach is right. And when the coach is wrong, the coach is still right. 
society doesn't permit that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I've always said is about every five years, you have to change. And if you don't, you're going to have problems. You're either going to lose the kids or you're probably going to get in trouble. So when I was an assistant coach at Cortland, the, the head coach there used to call me a maniac. I'd be like, why are you calling me a maniac? It's maniac in a good way because I was just like all over the place. And, and when you want to position a kid on the court, you grab their penny and you put them there. You don't do that now. You know, we're, we're abusing kids if we do that now. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong. Like, you know, I think there's certain levels of respect that you need to treat everybody with. But what the way that you can motivate people, the way people have been raised is different, for better or for worse. I'm not here to judge that. But you have to be able to teach, motivate, handle, whatever you want to call it, the group of kids that's in front of you. And if you try and do something that you did 20 years ago, I guarantee it's not going to work because society's different. So, yeah, I've changed a ton. I've changed a ton. But, again, if you haven't, you wouldn't still be in it. Now, you had a lot of great years as a head coach at Rowan. I think probably one of, if not your best, was the 15-16 season mm-hmm. where you guys go, what is it, 23-6. You, you host first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. Do you have a feeling going into that, a season like that, like do you have expectations, even if you don't communicate it to the kids, mm-hmm. that this is going to be, this has the potential to be something mm-hmm. very special? I think you can tell a lot from the kids what they bring to it, um, what their mentality is and their attitudes are going into it and what their discipline is coming into it. Um, really, the best teams are the ones that are selfless, that are all in it, about what the team can do. If, if you've got a group of kids that are worried about my playing time, my stats, my, my anything, it's, it's probably not going to be near what, what you can accomplish. But if you get those kids that are all in, not going to worry about all the other stuff, it, it kind of a, you know, okay, whatever mentality, those are your good teams because they're in it for, for the team and they're going to work together and give themselves up for the benefit of the team. It's, most years, the talent's there. It's more mentality, I think. So what was, throughout that season, do you just feel the momentum building and you're getting better? And... Well, I had three grad students on that team. Okay. <laughs> that changes that a lot. That helps a lot. That changes a lot. So kids that have, you know, it's their fifth year in the program. Um, the leadership that they had, again, they kind of got past the, the nonsense kind of stuff. And they set certain standards for the players behind them. So, I mean, that, that was huge leadership and, and setting the tone was huge. And um, they bought into a mentality where we, we kind of established the year before that we, we changed a little bit up about what we were doing and we pressed every minute and we fast broke every possession. And so to do that, what we wanted is we want you to come in and play hard for five minutes and, and then you're going to get a five minute break. So we really went 10 deep. Um, fortunate enough to have the talent to do that, but that those kids bought into that um, really set the tone for for it to work. What's it like hosting the NCAA tournament? It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best ever. It's the best ever. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's awesome. Was it tough? Did it present any challenges? Because I've talked to folks at the Division Two or Division Three, and sometimes they talk about 
there are so there are a lot of things that pop up you don't expect being the host school that it almost takes away not shouldn't say takes away but it gives it some added challenges to in addition preparing your team to play for a play a very difficult opponent well that's where Rowan's awesome um we're very experienced at at hosting one of the things that we as a staff do is if somebody's hosting their only job is to coach their team okay so if those things come up they never know about it I, I think we are really, really, really good at it from, you know, all of our administrators down to coaches not involved in it. Everybody's on board. Everybody wants to make it a a showcase event for what we are at Rowan Athletics and, and what Rowan University is. So um, we've been fortunate to host in a, in a lot of different sports. You know, I've been the administrator side of it and, and we just try to really, I mean, we've, we've kind of got the playbook down because we're, we've done it and we've done it well. And we are able to foresee a lot of things that come up uh, to eliminate them ahead of time. But uh, we're really, really good at that at Rowan. And another thing about Rowan, it has grown exponentially personnel-wise, real estate-wise, and every and living in the town next door, like literally almost every time I drive through, something new has opened well, or... It takes you five times as long to drive through now. That's a different yeah. argument or a different discussion for a different day, right. but you're right. But what's it been like to be just as a member of the community there, mm-hmm. to be in the middle of explosive growth in everything? Well, Rowan has really transformed the town of Glassboro. And, you know, I'd go so far as even the county and the region with the Rowan Colleges. That, that we've taken on. Um, the leadership of the university just really sees Rowan should be a, a driving force in a, in a lot of different areas. And we have four pillars that, that guide everything that we do. And they really take that to heart. And when you look at where the school was 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, it's just so different in a great way. You know, to be a part of that is, has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, a lot of schools are in trouble. Mm-hmm. I can remember talking to two kids last year that were all set to go to to schools and the schools closed. So then they were looking for schools late. Rowan doesn't have that problem. Our entrance requirements are strong. Uh, the student body has grown and, and still the academic profile is rising. So, you know, part of what you are as, as a Division three coach is you're a salesman and what you're selling is the school. And we have a great product to sell. Women's basketball, women's sports overall, another thing that has grown exponentially, I think, in the last two decades. Has it grown, in your opinion, grown fast enough? Is it now making up for lost time? And do you think we're getting close to a point where women and men's sports will be, let's say, with the media and television stuff, kind of equal footing? Wow, that's a can of worms. <laughs> um, yes and no. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to my own experiences that in junior high school, Boys had junior high sports, girls didn't. When I was like nine or ten years old, boys had little league, girls didn't. So, you know, our parents got together and started a softball league. So, you know, our generation has had experiences that the prior one didn't, not as much as what maybe the current generations have. You know, one of the things that, and I was fortunate again from an administrative side, some of those women that really drove those Title IX issues happening yeah, but it's better. It's not the same. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's, it's a hard question, really, because 
if you take the the national team, United States national team, the soccer team, they're better. They still don't have the same draw. You know, they're playing in stadiums that aren't, and and the men are playing in packed stadiums, and they're not nearly as good, and and aren't likely to be anytime soon. It seems like so. How do you change the mentality when you know purists of the soccer game will tell you the women's soccer game is better? Um, John Wooden used to say he loved the women's basketball game better than watching the men. So the mentality of of supporting that, um, you know, it's it's societal still. You know, if you're not making money, how do you pay money? So that's 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 a hard question. That said, providing equity, not necessarily equal, but equity across the board in youth, scholastic, collegiate opportunities, I think is how you set that tone. And so that's where I think Title IX is still very relevant and important. I, I think it just has to be viewed, you know, the same rega- regardless of the economics of it in, in order for the society to kind of shift that mentality. All right. So as we're talking here, the, your, your change from going coach to focusing solely on administrative uh, is relatively new. Does it feel real as far as not being into the coaching grind or to still having the athletic job? with different uh, responsibilities help kind of ease you off of the, the coaching? Well, I am busy enough that I, I don't have a lot of time to think about it right now. Uh, I, you know, I think the time, it's weird. A lot of people ask me that, you know, do you, it's weird right now. You know, not having the meetings, I, I still see the kids right now. But there is a definite separation, you know, what they, it's like, hi, how you doing? I'm not dealing with their daily problems that they want your coach to address and stuff. So that's a little bit different. When it'll probably really kick in is October 15th. Uh, it'll be the first time in 40-whatever years that, that you know, I'm not getting a gym in, in a gym on that day. So I'm expecting that's probably when it, it might hit more. But it's it's weird. It's weird. I don't know how else to describe it. And final question, winning as coach in Rowan history. For women's basketball, what does that mean to you? I didn't really think about it. Uh, well, you know, when when Marie brought it up, um, for me, it wasn't really ever about the wins. It 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 goes back to preparing kids to be successful people, uh, people of character. Um, it's great. Don't get me wrong. And and you know, when we talked about being people of character and preparing you to succeed, doesn't mean we never wanted to win. Believe me, I'm as competitive as as it as it comes. But uh, you know, I think it's just really a reflection of time well spent. I was there a long time, and we had great people that came through and made that happen. So, everyone, every one of the players, coaches that were here, um, and and the ones before too, really, uh, it's just a reflection of what Rowan's about. I think. Gabby Lucella, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. 
And that will do it for this week's show. One on One is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And you can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leading a rating and a review. You can follow us on Twitter at One on One Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Want to thank former Rowan University women's basketball coach Gabby. Lucella for joining us this week. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.